Grow from your heart podcast starts now. Rasta Jeff, you bad motherfucker. All right, podcast world, welcome to episode 815 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about preparing for our outdoor harvest. Before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to my friends at Attitude Seed Bank USA. Make sure you check out the Attitude Seed Bank USA for a fresh drop of Irie Genetics premium seeds. All right, now let's talk about preparing for our outdoor harvest. Many people have been working all summer long, most of the fall, on their outdoor gardens, and it is quickly approaching harvest time. This is a very critical part of the growing process. Many people overlook the preparations and expectations and needs of harvest time. So let's do a little quick talk here and get everybody prepared to harvest their outdoor garden. All right, now when it comes to harvesting our outdoor plants, the first thing I would think about is where are we going to put this harvest? We need a safe, secure location to put all of our plants when we chop them down. We can't just stack them up. We can't just pile them up in a corner. They need to hang. They need airflow. They need space. Uh, they need a controlled environment. Do you have that area prepared? Do you have something in mind? Start cleaning that room out now because life gets chaotic around harvest time and you're going to find yourself overwhelmed and overloaded. And the last thing you want is to be scrambling for a dry and cure space while you're chopping down the plants. Let's get prepared. We still have a little bit of time before harvest time comes up. Let's start thinking about this stuff now. Set yourself up for success. At this point, we've got time to start looking for the tools and supplies and space which is needed for harvest. Maybe even you need a few friends. We'll talk about that later on. But let's start preparing now before these plants come down. Like I said a moment ago, let's set ourselves up for success. You have spent weeks. Those plants have been outside vegging for a couple, a few weeks, maybe even vegged indoors for a couple of weeks if you do big plants. You vegged them indoors. You vegged them outdoors. They flowered for eight to 10 weeks outside. You took major care of them every day. You were out there watering them, defoliating, keeping the bugs off of them. Now at the harvest time, this is where we could really screw up all of the love and care that we put into these plants. So let's be prepared. The first thing we need is that dry and cure space. Do you have somewhere that when you cut down the plants, do you have somewhere you can hang these plants safely? You need a room that I prefer a dark room. If there's a little bit of light in there, that is okay, but I definitely prefer a dark room for hanging the plants. Do you have a room that is secure? Is this room that you're thinking about secure? Is it uh, non-accessible to children is the main important thing. Then the second thing is, is it accessible to thieves? Do people know your ganja is in there? Is it locked up safe and secure? Do you have cameras? Do you have maybe a little alarm system in case somebody gets in there? But definitely have a safe and secure place for these plants. We don't need the kids getting in there. We don't need thieves getting in there. We definitely don't want animals to get in there. If it's your own domestic pets, if it's wild animals outside, they're going to love the smell of that ganja and they may try to get to it and they may try to eat it up. A lot of animals love the smell of cannabis, rats, bunnies, uh, anything like that. They will get to your plants if it's available and they will try to eat it. So you need plenty of space, a secure place with little light. We also need some airflow in this room. Are we getting some airflow in there? A room that, uh, let me back up and this isn't even on my notes. This just came to my mind because this is very important. We want a room that doesn't have a funky, stanky, musty aroma because if you hang these plants in a funky, stanky room, instead of getting good ganja smelling buds, they are going to absorb that funky, musty basement aroma into the plants. 
So think about that when you are now that we are preparing a dry and cure space, maybe we can clean out a room and open up some windows and get some air in there and get that old basement funk smell out of there or that old barn smell or that old work shed smell, whatever it is. Let's freshen it up a little bit. Let's get some airflow happening now so we can freshen up the air in that room, get rid of some of that old, nasty, stale aroma, whatever it may be, because that will end up into your buds. Instead of your buds smelling like Grateful Dog or Morning Dew or Strawberry Starburst, they're going to smell like grandma's basement and nobody wants to smoke that shit. So think about the uh, the smell, the aroma that is already existing in your anticipated dry space. Then the next thing I wanted to talk about was airflow. Uh, we can start cleaning that funky air out now if we get some airflow going. You're going to want airflow in the grow in the dry space. I would put a couple of fans in there, one up higher, one down lower, maybe even one on the ground, stirring the uh, the ground air around. We don't want the wind blowing directly on the plants, drying them out. We want the wind moving it around so that we don't get any microclimates, any hot pockets, any wet pockets in the room. Let's just move and stir all of that air. Also, if you've got some sort of an exhaust fan in that room to vent out that humidity out of the top corner, out of the top middle of that room, that would be ideal. Also, maybe consider a carbon filter in that room if you've got neighbors, thieves, something like that may smell your ganja crop as you're drying it in that room. You're exhausting that nice ganja scented air. I would put a carbon filter on there. Another thing to think about is maybe a dehumidifier in your dry and cure space. When I've got plants hanging in a commercial room, I honestly put a humidifier in one corner, a dehumidifier in the other corner. I set them both at 55% and I let them fight all day. So that room stays at 55% constantly, unless we're opening and closing the doors, that does happen. But uh, we, with the moisture of the plants in there, the humidifier and the dehumidifier battling, we can get pretty close to the parameters which we expect in that room at all times. Also, of course, I'm running a commercial facility when I'm talking about this. There's an air conditioner in the commercial facility. We keep that at the desired temperature, about 60, 65 degrees, maybe between 60 and 70. I understand a lot of you are drying in a basement, in your extra grow room, in your garage, in the tool shed. We're going to try to meet uh, certain parameters. Uh, it would be ideal to get within 5 degrees or 5% humidity, but I understand that's not always possible. We may have to be flexible and work with the 10 degree, 10% threshold here. That will work for you. Let's try to stay right around 55, 65, 60, maybe the ideal uh, temperature and humidity. A lot of people are going to have input and different thoughts on that. It's all going to work. Just adjust as you find necessary. These are just guidelines for you to start with. 50% humidity, 60% humidity, those will both work. You're just going to take a little bit longer, a little bit shorter time to dry. So think about the aroma in that room. Think about the airflow in that room. Like I said, we don't want fans blowing directly onto the plants all day. Would you want fans blowing on you? Maybe some of you weirdos do but you don't want it blowing directly on you all day. Just stir that air around. Don't dry the buds out with the fan. Let them dry slowly, but have that fan moving the air around. If you need to rotate the plants so that one isn't always getting beat up by the fan at all times, feel free to rotate those plants. So something I didn't even talk about, how are you going to hang these plants in the room? Let's just say that you've chosen a space in which to hang your plants. If you're using your grow tent, that's ideal also. A lot of people will just cut down the plants and then hang them right up in the grow tent. But how are you going to hang them? What are you going to use to suspend your plants from the ceiling, the rafters? How is it going to work? One thing I recommend, I suggest that happens a lot, and this is great even if you're doing this in your grow tent, this will work very well. 
uh, buy a thing of clothes hangers, just the cheap plastic triangle clothes hangers with a little hook on the top. You don't need anything expensive, anything fancy. If you're a broke ass, get the wire ones. If you can even find the wire hangers anymore, but get some coat hangers. And then when you cut your plant, pay attention to the way that you're cutting the plant. If you watch the way the cannabis plant grows, it makes a stalk that comes up. Then it makes a branch that comes off to the side. Then just above that, a branch that comes off to the side. If you cut the plant down properly, think about come from the top of the plant, work your way down a few inches, maybe um, I'm going to say about 10, 12 inches. I think that's probably about 10 or 12 inches. Then that's a good section to cut. If you find one of the intersections where the main stalk comes off and there's a branch coming up this way, cut right below that. You can use that branch as the hanger. Flip that upside down, put that on your coat hanger, and now you can hang that hanger wherever you want. Depending on how big your buds are, how dense and fat and beefy your branches and buds have gotten, you can probably fit several of those branches per coat hanger. Don't waste too much space and just do one bud per hanger. Do at least three. That's my opinion. So continue chopping your plant. Start at the top, take that main top off, cut it, put it on the coat hanger. Uh, have the hanger hanging up on something so you can access it, right? Then go down a little further, cut in sections that you feel comfortable with and hang those up and hang those up in that cool, uh, secure place, that dark place with plenty of airflow and a controlled uh, temperature and humidity. Temperature, humidity, and airflow are super important in the drying and curing process. If you don't have enough airflow, if you get too much humidity, you can definitely ruin your buds by creating bud rot. It is still potentially an issue to ruin the inside of those buds with the wrong environment. So get that room dialed in, get the temperature down 60 or lower, get that temperature right. Let's get an exhaust fan in there. Let's get some air moving and let's try to get the water out of those plants as slowly and quickly as possible. I know that sounds redundant, but as a grower, that's what you're trying to do. You want it to dry as slowly and quickly as possible. You'll figure this out when you get there. The longer the drying process takes, the better the weed will taste, but the longer it takes, the longer it fucking takes, which means there's more opportunity for issues and problems to arise. Once you pass a certain moisture level, don't even worry about it. If they're hanging, you've got airflow, you will be fine. The first few days is when you do really need to pay attention and make sure that you've got plenty of airflow and that your humidity is under control. Now, if we do have a drying and curing space figured out, a place where we can hang these plants, uh, let's review what we need. We need a dark room that is secure with airflow uh, and about 50 to 60%, uh, 55 to 65% uh, humidity and temperature in that room. Like I said a moment ago, in my commercial environment, I have a dehumidifier set at 55% humidity. I have a humidifier set at 55% humidity. I've got an air conditioner set at 60 degrees. At the other end of the room, I've got an air a duct sucking air out so that all of my stale warm air that rose to the top with all that humidity in there is just being pulled right from the room. In a commercial environment, I don't put that carbon filter on there. In a private grow, put that carbon filter on there so everybody doesn't smell it. But that is the main setup. We've got the environmental controls happening in there. Uh, then also put a hygrometer in there so that you can look and see what is happening in that room at all times. Uh, something like, uh, you could just get the little cheap one from the, uh, the local hardware store that just sits on the table and you can look at it manually or you can get a Pulse Pro and you can look at it on your phone. You've got so many options for that, but be aware of what's happening in there so that you can adjust it if you need to. All right, those are the first things I would think about. That is the dry and cure space. What about some workspace? How are you going to manage chopping this down? Do you have some space where you can cut these plants down, carry them to another table, then do some work with them? Or do you need to do it all out in the field where the plants are? Be prepared for that. I don't know your situation. 
I know many people, so let's just hypothetically say I've got a greenhouse out in the middle of nowhere and that greenhouse doesn't have uh, like a lot of workspace for a bunch of big plants. Once I cut them down, I've got one table. Uh, that whole table is covered by one plant. Maybe I can take the plant, carry it to that one table, break it down into smaller pieces, then put it on my coat hangers there and then move it to my dry and cure space. Maybe I'll take the whole plant to my dry and cure space, hang it all up at once and then break it into smaller pieces. It just depends on your environment, your space, what you've got. The thing I'm trying to get at is be prepared. Many people overlook the importance of the workspace. They think about, I've got this room. Where are you going to do the work? Another thing you want to think about is supplies. Now is the time to get supplies. Let's not wait until harvest day to say, oh yeah, I needed things. What are we going to need when it comes to harvest time? The main thing you're going to need is gloves. I go through lots of pairs of gloves harvesting. Uh, I put on thicker gloves while I'm chopping down the plants. I wear thicker gloves when it comes to shucking, but when it actually comes to the trimming, the manicuring, the deleafing part of the trim work, I will go through a lot of gloves. Another thing I should add that I may have forgotten to talk about that just came to my head while I'm thinking about harvesting is a few days before you harvest, this could happen uh, seven, five, three days, maybe even the day before harvest. If you can pull off a bunch of those big leaves, anything with a long pedial sticking off, if you and your trim crew can go and just pull off all of those leaves, that will save you time when it comes to harvesting. All of those uh, leaves just dry up around the plant. They become crusty. They become crispy. It becomes a big mess. It's extra shit to manage when it does come time to manicure. If you can pull those off while the plant is alive, they come off much more easily. Uh, it's just quicker. Just go in and just pull all those leaves off. You don't even need scissors for it. Just take off the leaves you could pop off with your fingers. That will also speed up your drying time. If you're in a place where you were drying too quickly, maybe don't do that. But if you're in a place where you want to kind of speed up the dry, get those leaves out of there, that gets more moisture out of the room immediately. That's going to fix the uh, humidity in the drying cure space. And also that saves you less shit that you have to clean up and trim in the future. So get those leaves out of there. Uh, maybe a good start. Now let's see, what else are we going to need? Gloves. I said, we need a lot of gloves. If you're going to trim by yourself, get your size gloves. If you've got friends coming over, be considerate. Maybe buy an extra large, a large, a medium, and a small box. If Most of the time, you won't use the small gloves. The small rubber gloves are super tiny. Most people don't wear those. Check around, look and see what your crew wears, and just make sure to have gloves on deck for everybody in the crew. That is super polite of you. And then nobody's going to get their fingers all sticky. And then also, you're not going to get their skin in your weed. And then if somebody gets an eye itch or a booger itch, they could just take off their glove and handle it. They don't have to go wash their hands just to itch their eye. When you're trimming, this is not on my notes. This is just from experience. Don't rub your eyes or do try it one time and then you'll never do it again. But my advice is don't rub your eyes when you're trimming. Not at all. Not a little bit. Not with the corner of your finger. Not with the back of your hand. Just don't do it. Uh, your whole hands are going to be sticky. You're covered in resin. You got trichomes and chlorophyll all over your hands. As soon as that finger hits your eye, your body's going to go, you fucked up. About 20 seconds later, you're just going to be in the bathroom going, oh man, it burns, bro. And you're just going to be rubbing your eye and your hands are sticky because you've been trimming and your eye is sticky. And now when you move your hand away from your eye, your fucking eyelashes are going to stick to your fingers. Just don't do it, dude. That's my advice. Don't touch your eyes when you're trimming. Uh, use gloves. If your eye or nose itches, take off the gloves. Take care of your eye, your nose. Do whatever you got to do then. Apply a fresh glove. Don't be a cheap ass and keep reusing gloves. They're not that expensive. Put on a new glove. All right, other things you might need. Scissors. Have at least one pair of scissors on deck for every person that you plan to trim with you. Everybody needs at least one pair. But after a few minutes of trimming, those scissors are going to get sticky as shit. 
a lot of times what we'll do, we'll just have a bucket of dirty scissors, a bucket of clean scissors. When yours get dirty, throw them into that dirty pile, grab a clean pair of scissors. Somebody in your crew will take it upon themselves. Maybe it's you. There's always a person in this group. Somebody will say, I'm sick of looking at the dirty scissors. They'll grab the dirty scissors and they will start cleaning all of those scissors. What is customary is they take all that scissor hash that comes off the scissors and they put it in the middle of the table. And that is now smoke for the table. If anybody in the room wants to get stoned, smoke that scissor hash, bro. That shit is good stuff. That is Mike's favorite shit to smoke. I think Mike really loves scissor hash. So uh, when you're trimming, throw those dirty scissors into a little pile. Then somebody in the crew, it may be you. Who knows? There's always somebody that likes to do that. The one person with OCD will grab all those scissors, clean them up, take all that resin off there, roll it up into a ball. Maybe they'll even be polite enough to pack it into a bowl and get that going around for everybody. But rotate scissors out. Have enough scissors for everybody and then have maybe a backup pair for everybody also. I know that adds up quite quickly, but then also have something on deck to clean those other scissors. I like to use a small razor blade just to scrape all the shit off of it. And then I soak them in rubbing alcohol, like 91% ISO. Uh, if you have some of the dark crystal glass cleaner, that also works very well to clean scissors. Also, a little bit of coconut oil will get that extra residue off of your skin, off your fingers. If you got some up here on your arms or whatever, a little bit of coconut oil will help that rub off. So have gloves, have scissors for everybody. Have a way to clean those scissors. Have a backup pair of scissors for everybody if possible. Another thing, if you can get them, have the little springs for your scissors, have backups of those because you have no idea until you get down to it. You have no idea how many pairs of those scissors the spring is going to fly out. The spring is going to get stuck. If you can get the scissors that come with the backup spring, I recommend purchasing those. Another thing you will need is some sort of trash receptacle, a trash bag, a trash can, something to put leaves and trim and sticks and waste into. Another thing to think about is where are all of your sticks and stems and empty pots and all that shit? Where's that going to go when you're done? Are you going to recycle, upcycle your soil? Are you doing a living soil where you can just keep going? Did you do cocoa? Did you do, uh, what else is the other option? Uh, maybe you did some hydroton. Maybe you did rock wool cubes. What are you going to do with your waste? I don't know where your grow is taking place. Are you in a legal state? Are you in a prohibition state? If you're in a legal state, it's much easier to dispose of your waste, but still be careful because if somebody drives by and sees a bunch of five gallon pots outside and your bag of Fox farms, leftover soil and a bunch of sticks, they know you just harvested. They know there's a crop in the house. If it's law enforcement, they want to check on your crop and see how much you got. If it's thieves, they want to come get your crop. If it's the homies, they want to come smoke your crop. Be discreet with your trash, whether it's a legal or illegal place. In most locations, once your trash goes to your curb, that is now fair game. Law enforcement does not need any sort of warrant to go through your trash. Think about that when you're putting your trash at the curb. Maybe, just maybe, you need to find a safer, more discreet place to get rid of your trash. Hopefully, maybe, you're uh, living in a, a rural area and you could just throw it all in the compost bin. That would be ideal but I do understand that's not an option for everybody. I want you guys all to be successful and I want you all to be careful. So that trash can be used as evidence just as much as your harvested product. So keep that in mind wherever you are. Uh, the other thing I mentioned is some hangers or some wire of some sort and some uh, little screw hooks. Let me talk about what I'm talking about. We need to hang these plants when we cut them down. Uh, the first thing I talked about was the space. How are you going to hang these? Um, if you use your grow tent, it's already got those bars in the ceiling that are holding it up and the bars that come to hold up the, uh, the carbon filter and the light. You can just hang the coat hangers from there. If you don't have that, what you're going to do? Something I can recommend is 
Get those eye hooks that screw into the wall. And of course, don't do this in like the living room. Do this in the work shed. Do this in the garage. Do this in the basement. Do this somewhere like that. Use little eye hooks. Screw them into the wall. Then walk across the room and at the same height, put another eye hook in the wall over there. Then use a piece of, you can use a lot of different things. I've seen fishing line used. I've seen twine used. Make sure it is very strong because you're going to hang more than you anticipate. But just run some sort of a line from one end of the room and string up as many lines as you need and hang those plants on there. But let's start thinking about it now before you're cutting down plants and then you go, oh shit, where am I going to hang these? Because that's what a lot of people do. Uh, that's what a lot of stoners do. That's what a lot of growers do. Let's be ahead of the curve. Let's set ourselves up for success and be ready for this upcoming harvest. Now I've covered the main supplies that we need for a successful harvest. Let's talk about a couple of small details that will make this harvest better. Uh, comfortable chairs are very important. You're going to be at this for several hours. I don't know how many plants you've got. I don't know how well you did, but hopefully you're going to be trimming for several days. I heard somebody today say that they will be trimming until Christmas. They're going to chop down around Halloween and they will be trimming until Christmas. Imagine how much ganja that is. Imagine how many hours of sitting in a chair with scissors in your hand, looking down at some buds. Imagine how much time that is. Think about a comfortable chair. I don't know what you consider a comfy chair. I'm sitting up in a higher bar stool type chair right now. It makes me uh, sit with a straighter back and kind of gives me forced better posture. That would be a good chair for me to trim in. Of course, then I'm going to get tired and want to lean back. But consider what you like as a comfortable chair. Also be considerate to your trim crew. If you invite people over, don't give them a five-gallon bucket to sit on. Don't expect them to trim your weed while they sit on a crate. Give them a comfortable chair. Give them a pillow to put on that chair if they need to. Think about the people you've got coming. Uh, some of you young guys can trim all fucking night with no problems. My back gets sore right about here. My neck will get sore right about here. I've got to think about how to keep that neck and back in shape. I recommend taking a lot of breaks. I know that sounds like laziness, but you got to get up. You got to stretch. At any other job, you're required to take a break every two hours. Take a break for every two hours. You don't want a repetitive stress injury. So make sure you set a timer, set on, put on a podcast or something. At the end of every podcast, make sure you and the work crew stand up, stretch your wrists, do a couple of different wrist stretches, wiggle your arms, put your hands above your head, get some, some wiggles going on, hold your hands low, get some wiggles, get some blood flow into places the blood hasn't been in a little while. Uh, maybe go outside, look at the sunshine, go look at a tree, go see what outside looks like. If you've been inside, go outside. Or if you've been outside, go inside, change environments, get a different view for a little while. Uh, maybe go outside with all your friends and smoke a joint, get away from the trim table, take the crew out there and smoke a joint for 10 minutes and don't talk about trimming, don't talk about the plants. That will buy you a lot of time. I know it sounds silly, but when you're going to be trimming for up until Christmas, Good scheduled breaks and a good disciplined break and a routine will definitely help you out. So make sure your trim crew is comfortable. Make sure you guys take good breaks and stay motivated, stay fun. How can we do that? If you are the guy, the gal, the person in charge of hiring a trim crew, it is also good customs to provide drinks and snacks. You also got to pay the trim crew some way. I don't know how you're going to do that. That's up to you. If they're friends, they'll come do it for free. If you want to compensate them, you can give them weed. You can give them money, give them edibles, but definitely feed them while they are there working for you. Keep in mind, a lot of us are vegan, vegetarian, have some dietary restrictions. Maybe ask people, hey, I'm trying to buy some snacks. What, what's your favorite munchie food for while you're trimming? And that way you can get people some good snacks, some good drinks. Make sure you have good water around. Uh, take care of your people. 
What else can we talk about? Podcasts and or music. Have some sort of entertainment going. If it's just you trimming by yourself, put on whatever you like. I, I You can fucking judge on your own. Decide for yourself. Listen to what you enjoy. But if you've got a crew, like if Mike was here, I wouldn't play fish all night. I may play some fish. But if Mike's here trimming, he's not going to listen to seven hours of fish. Uh, if Mike is here, we're not going to listen to Legion of Skanks podcast back to back like I would if I was by myself. Be considerate of your trim crew. Keep them motivated. Make them like you. If I brought Mike over and we trimmed for six hours and I played fish and sublime all day, he will not come back tomorrow. We got to consider, think about your trim crew. They do not have to come trim for you. So make sure you keep them happy, fed, and comfortable. Make it a fun experience. A lot of people say the phrase trim jail and maybe I'm a stickler, but that bothers me. There are people in jail that are dealing with some shit. If you're trimming, you're not in jail, bro. You're sitting at the table with your friends, listening to Sublime, eating fucking snacks, uh, possibly on Discord, chatting it up with us. So I don't really like it when you guys call it trim jail because there are people in jail that don't get to do shit all day. They're dealing with some shit. And we're sitting at the table listening to Sublime, drinking kombucha and expensive bottled water in a nice air-conditioned environment with all of our friends and nothing to worry about. So trim jail does sound kind of weird. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pimps and hoes, friends and foes, smokers, growers, clone cut. Paul and Chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there. I think that wraps up my outdoor harvest preparations for this year. I hope I helped set you up for success. I hope you have a great, amazing outdoor harvest this year. I hope it is everything that you asked for, everything that you hoped for. I hope you supply yourself as long as you needed. If not, I hope you made a bunch of notes and you know exactly what to improve next year. I did not do the free seed giveaway on this episode. I'm going to do a modified giveaway. Here is how you can win free seeds by listening to this episode. Join my Discord server. Once you join my Discord server, send me a direct message and tell me why you should win a free pack of seeds, and I'll pick somebody out of those messages to send a free pack of seeds. If you need a link to the Discord server, make sure you check out the show notes. There will be a link in the show notes and in the video description. Join us on Discord. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, right. that is all I've got for this episode. I am going to take next week off. I'm going to take a little vacation. Hopefully, I'll talk about that more on the episode when I come back, but I'm not going to record next week. So when the next episode does not come out, have no fear. Uh, I am having a really good time. I'm off at a really fun event. We'll talk more about that on a future episode. But don't worry if I don't put out an episode on Saturday. I'll probably put one out the Saturday after that unless my voice is fried and I have way too much fun. But relax. I'm just having a good time. Big thanks to all the people that check on me when I don't put out a show. That means a lot to me. I am rambling at this point. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, please do send me an email. My email address is hotmail.com. If you have cultivation questions, I recommend you go to my website, irigenetics.com at irigenetics.com. There is a grow help tab. Click on that help tab. We'll ask you a few questions. Send me your grow question. If I read your grow question here on this podcast, you win a free pack of Irie Genetics premium seeds. Also, make sure you check out the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Guys, that is all I've got for this episode. I'll be back in two weeks with fresh new content. I want to give a giant shout out to my buddy Purple Skunk. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. Rasta Jeff, you bad motherfucker. Big up yourself every time, Rusty Jeff.
take another dab. Grab your piece in and I go find the bag. Rise the in the lab. Sit back, hug them up, we relax. Oh.